Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. It's unseen. It's inside. The new birth is 100% inward. It's not of blood. It's not of flesh. It's of the spirit. And these outward acts of baptism and the Lord's table do not make a person have this new birth. They tell the world that they already have experienced this new birth. It's already happened. And baptism and the Lord's Supper are kind of like the wedding ring. I mean, the wedding ring does not make a person married. It tells the world that he is married and that he loves his wife. See, a person wears a wedding ring, and he wants to wear the wedding ring to tell the world he's married. And so baptism and the Lord's Supper, it doesn't make a person born again, A born-again person wants to be baptized. A born-again person wants to participate in the Lord's Supper because he wants to tell the world that he's born again and he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And so baptism and the Lord's Supper, therefore, are only for those who are born again for that reason. I mean, is it possible for a person who's not born again to be baptized and, and to participate in the Lord's table? Yes, but it's wrong. Yes, it's wrong, and he should not. Because baptism and the Lord's Supper are reserved for only for those who are born again. A young person who's never been married would never decide to just start wearing a wedding ring because he's not married. And a person who's not born again should never be baptized or participate in the Lord's table because he's not born again. Is it possible for a born again person to not be baptized and not participate in the Lord's table? Yes, but that's wrong also. And he should be baptized. He should participate in the Lord's table because it's commanded. And refusal to obey these commands of baptism in the Lord's table, that's sin. And so if a person's born again, needs to be baptized, needs to regularly participate in the Lord's table. And that's why here at the chapel, we have this Lord's Supper every Sunday at 930. Just like a person who's married is expected to wear a wedding ring. Now, notice how Paul tells us about the Lord's Supper when he says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he says, for I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. See, that's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. He describes it as, I received of the Lord that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. See, he describes the Lord's Supper as having received it from the Lord. And in the name calls, he says, who he received it from, he says, the Lord Jesus. See, in these two chapters, which really deal with the Lord's table, Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, 
Paul is teaching us about the Lord's Supper, and he uses this word Lord 14 times. That's a lot. 14 times. And when we read the word Lord, we could just as well substitute the word God. Because we know that by using the term Lord, Paul means God. So what this shows is that there's an association between the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we keep the Lord's supper, we keep the Lord's table because it came from God. And then notice the name that's used in the description here in 1 Corinthians 10.21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. And then in 1 Corinthians 11.20, it says, when you come together, therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. See, So 1 Corinthians 10.21, the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 11.20, the Lord's supper. The Lord's supper is at the Lord's table. And that's an important, the most important part of those terms is the part that says the Lord's. See, the names that are used there, the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians 10.21 and the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11.20. So what's meant by this term, the Lord's table? It means that's the table where the Lord is. It means it's an honor to be at that table because the Lord is there. It means that we only come to that table by invitation from the Lord Jesus, And we cannot just come to that table unless the Lord Jesus invites us. It means that when we come to the Lord's table, that the center of our attention is on the Lord Jesus. And our speech and our thoughts at the table is all about the Lord Jesus because it's not our table, it's the Lord's table. And the Lord's table is a place to show devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why the Lord Jesus Christ himself he said this about this table when he said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, this do, in other words, come to the Lord's table, in remembrance of me. So the name the Lord's table, the name the Lord's supper, it reminds us that this table is a place where he is the host and we are the guests. And our purpose is to remember him. And the names remind us that the Lord Jesus is present at this table See, the term the Lord's, in the Lord's table, in the Lord's supper, they stress to us this connection, this vital connection that there is between the Lord Jesus Christ and the table and his desire for us to be there. And he spoke about this in Luke 22, 15, when it says, and he said unto them, with desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. See, we see from those words how much he wants us here at this table. When he said, with desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you. The Greek literally reads, with fervent desire, with hot desire, have I desired to eat this Passover with you. He instituted this table for us with these strong words, with desire have I desired. With fervent desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you. So that shows us that the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, is highly important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, it's highly wrong for us to ignore this or to neglect the Lord's Supper. 
And so for the bread, he said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. He called the bread my body, which is broken for you. He, in the bread, he uses the words for you. So that shows the self-givingness of himself. It shows the self-giving of his body for us. As he said in John 10, 17 through 18, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. That's the bread. He called the bread my body broken for you. The for you part tells us I lay it down of myself. It was his will, his self-giving of his body. The bread reminds us of his will to give himself for us. And that's the deep significance of the bread, that when we take the bread, we are to intentionally work on remembering how he freely gave himself for us. Now, but he didn't say the words for you about the wine. Instead, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. See, the wine he called this cup of the New Testament in my blood. See, the wine reminds us of the New Testament. The word testament means agreement. The New Testament, therefore, means the new agreement. The Old Testament was the old agreement. The old agreement was between man and God, and it said that if man perfectly kept the law, then he could go to heaven. That was the old agreement. Thank God it's an old one. That was the Old Testament. But we failed to meet demands of that old agreement. We failed to keep the law. We failed in our part of the old agreement. We failed the Old Testament. We failed the old agreement. So the new agreement was that the Lord Jesus himself, he would keep the law for us, And then he would pay the price. That's the song this morning. The price was paid. He would pay the price for our disobedience by dying for us. That's the new agreement. That's the New Testament. The new agreement or the New Testament was that the Lord Jesus, he would keep the law instead of us, and he would die for our sins instead of us. See, the new agreement is all about the word instead of, or as it says in Genesis 22, in the stead of in the place of. He met the terms of the old agreement in our place. He met the terms of this new agreement with his blood when he paid the price for our sins. His blood was the New Testament of the new agreement, the New Testament, the new agreement of dying as the perfect lamb for our sins. So his blood was the New Testament of dying as the perfect lamb for our sins. Redemption means payment. It means payment for our sins. The wine reminds us of the new agreement of paying for our sins with his blood. It's the price. That's the deep significance of the wine when we take the wine, or in our case, the juice, 
that we are intentionally to remember how he paid for our sins with his own blood, how he met the terms of the new agreement to die for our sins. And in order for us to keep this from becoming a meaningless ritual, we've got to work hard to intentionally remember when we take the bread, we have to work hard to intentionally remember how he freely gave himself for us. When we take the juice, we have to intentionally work hard to remember how he met the terms of the new agreement by paying for our sins with his own blood. The bread reminds us of his will to give himself for us. The wine or the juice reminds us of the price that he paid in the new agreement. That's the deep significance of the bread for us. We take the bread. We remember how he freely gave himself for us. That's the deep significance of the wine, the juice, of the price that he paid. And so we've seen how the Lord's table is associated with the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he is present at the Lord's table. But there's another deep purpose at the Lord's table as seen in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, where it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth, you do show the Lord's death till he come. You show the Lord's death. That's the purpose. You show the Lord's death till he come. See, according to this verse, when we participate in the Lord's table, we show the Lord's death until he comes. So the question is, what is it? that we show about the Lord's death at the Lord's table. What do we show at the Lord's table? And there are three points that we show of the Lord's death at the Lord's table. First, at the Lord's table, we show the fact of the Lord's death. See, at the Lord's table, we focus and we must focus on the fact of the Lord's death. See, at the Lord's table, we tell again the fact that he died and how he died on the cross. And when we do that, we do show the fact of the Lord's death at the Lord's table. At the Lord's table, we remind ourselves of the fact that he died on the cross at Calvary by taking the bread and the wine. We reaffirm the fact that he died. The Lord's table, when we focus our thoughts and our talk around the circumstances surrounding his death, how he died. And when we do that, we show the fact of the Lord's death. Second, at the Lord's table, we show the significance, or the purpose, if you want, of the Lord's death. The Lord's table is the place to not only tell the fact that he died, but again, the why he died, the purpose why he died, the purpose of his death. See, at the Lord's table, to show the significance of of his death is to talk about what was finished when he cried out in John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. See, it's at the Lord's table that we talk about what was finished, because the what was finished shows the, we show the significance of the Lord's death. At the Lord's table, when we focus our talk and we focus our thoughts on what he accomplished at the cross, at his death, we show the significance of the Lord's death. And to do this, we focus our thoughts on one truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that truth about the Lord Jesus Christ is that he is Lord 
over death. He's Lord over death. Lord over death and resurrected from the dead because he's Lord over death. Lord over death and giving life to the dead because he's Lord over death. Lord over death and saving those, saving lost souls from death because he's Lord over death. And so when we take the bread and the wine, we reaffirm that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord over death and that as Lord over death, he died to save us from our death. And that's the third part. That brings us into the third part at the Lord's table of what we show of the Lord's death. We show the personal effectiveness of the Lord's death. See, when different ones will stand up and speak, then we hear different ones making a personal proclamation that the Lord's death was effective for them. When a person speaks at the Lord's table, he's saying the Lord's death was personally effective for me. But each person at the Lord's table, whether he speaks or, 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 or he doesn't, he can show the personal effectiveness of the Lord's death, either by voice or by thoughts. So at the Lord's table, each one of us focus our thoughts on how the Lord's death saved us from our personal sins. When, and then each of, when we do that, then each of us is showing the personal effectiveness of the Lord's death. So at the Lord's table, we show the Lord's death till he comes by focusing our thoughts on the fact that the Lord is the Lord over death, by the fact of his death, by the significance of his death, and by the personal effectiveness of the Lord's death. And there's another deep meaning, a deep purpose, let's say, to the Lord's table. And that's seen in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17, where it says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So you see this emphasis on communion, communion, one, one. See, in this verse, verse 10 here, we see the word communion used, and it's used twice. And the cup is called the, the, is called the communion of the blood of Christ. And the bread is called the communion of the body of Christ. So that at the Lord's table, we are called part of one bread and one body. We being many are one bread and one body. And then further speaking of our oneness at the Lord's table, we're told in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit, we all are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond nor free, and have been all been made to drink into one spirit. See, that, that's a very similar language to Galatians 3.28, where it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor free, free, female, for you, all, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So when speaking about the Lord's table, the communion that's being spoken about is our unity 
around the Lord Jesus Christ. The word communion means sharing together. And so, I, I mean, I remember, this was brought home to me, I remember so clearly when I was in a brethren church in England, in, in London, and, and we were at the Lord's table, and, and how surprised I was to see them bring out one loaf of bread and, 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 and pass it around, and just one cup, and, and, and how they passed around this loaf of bread, and, and then each one of us broke off a piece from that bread, and, and that one cup of real wine with the alcohol, and, and they passed it one to another with a towel so that you could wipe off the saliva from the last person. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm glad there's real wine in that with the alcohol, because <laughs> it was wintertime. <laughs> and there's a lot of germs there. But, but I tell you, that when I saw that, that was very impressive because the practice, we don't do that. I mean, it's also sterile here. We have it all broken up and you get your individual cups and, you know, no saliva. Anyway, but, but I tell you that the practice of each one of us breaking off a piece from that same loaf and drinking from the same cup, it really gave a sense of how united we all were. And, and that's the meaning of communion. And the communion purpose at the Lord's table is to put away from us all differences between ourselves, all arguments between ourselves, all resentments, all envyings, all grudges, and to have this unity around the Lord's table. That's the concept of communion. And I mean, how can you be at odds with your brother when you've just drunk out of the same cup and broken off a piece of bread from the same loaf? So at the Lord's table, we have to work hard to do what it says in Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Nowhere on earth does the church of the Lord Jesus Christ reflect her unity than around the Lord's table. But there's a requirement, one requirement for preparation for the Lord's table, and it's given to us in where we read in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight through 30, where it says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the body, the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. What we have to do to prepare ourselves for the Lord's table is described as let a man examine himself. Now, to examine himself means to take time to quietly and honestly ask some questions. Am I right with God? And if not, then before coming to the Lord's table, it's time. It's time to confess. It's time to repent. It's time to vow to make it right. Second question, is there any known sin in my life? And if there is, it, before coming to the Lord's table, it's time to confess, it's time to repent, it's time to vow to make it right. Is there anyone that's angry with me because of my sin? If there is, then before coming to the Lord's table, it's time to confess, to repent, and vow to go to that person to make it right. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.